Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the I hope he didn't kill somebody. This is 11 Personnel. I am Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. It's day two without sports. Found a lady sitting on my couch. Apparently she's my wife. She seems nice, though. The leecher. Which, honestly, that, that meme from Mike Leach, that seems like something he... Like, real, like a real problem he has. Because how much time is Mike Lee spending at home not doing football things? All just ball coaches in general, man, right now. They're probably getting a little cabin fever. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't go to the football facility. What do you – Yeah. I'm just going to say, by the, we recorded last week on Tuesday, or Tuesday yeah. or Wednesday. Uh-huh. It feels like and we haven't recorded in like six months. I mean – All that's – every. I mean, it's been – Every, you've got, you've heard all all of it from radio shows, from everything else you all, you listeners have consumed. But man, it feels like the, we're living in a the sky's falling out since then. In, I mean, and in the just since we were reality. at the NFL Combine, like mm-hmm. that feels like an, it, yeah. It was not even a month ago. I know it was not even a month ago. It was snowing and football was happening. There was so much happening, and now nothing. Absolutely nothing. The day I saw the what was it the New York Post it said the day sports stopped, the day sports world stopped. It was like their headline. It's like uh, the day the music died. Yeah, it really is. Um, but we're gonna keep on marching along. We're not gonna be all doom and gloom. Um, because here's the thing, folks. Football's twenty four seven. Even when it's not being played, it's happening. And if you're anything like me, and you have a wife that is now stuck at home. Do things like paint your house in three days. <laughs> so you may you might need something to do. So that's what we're here for. Yeah. If you if you're giving Just if you're doing some extra pop, housework that you weren't normally doing, pop in the AirPods yeah. and yeah, get or maybe take the dog on a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, anything to get out of poor Luckett, man. I I'm lucky enough to where that my wife's pregnant and she has uh like a national board obligation that she has to get to anyway. So like, luckily. Because I would have had my whole house repainted. We'd probably have a new deck by now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just consider myself lucky. But not all of you all are as lucky. Um, So good luck. Good luck with that cabin fever. um, Because it's going to be happening for the foreseeable future. A lot of things have been moving around. Have been canceled. Uh, The spring game officially announced all spring activities. SEC officially joined the party. I believe the ACC. Yeah, they, they were the first one. But essentially from now until... Um, the end of the academic year, which is June 30th, uh, my anniversary. So happy anniversary, honey. Um, all, all things are canceled from now until then. Right. Um, and for football, that can mean the freshmen 
that signed in this uh, legendary coming 2020 class. They're a month behind. Yeah, we don't, usually they come like middle of June, early June. June seventh, I think, right. report date. Yeah. So that's going to get pushed back now. You would you would think. Mm-hmm. Of course, there won't be that early summer session of classes to get them there on campus early. Um, in the immediate future, I spoke to Calvin Taylor in an interview today that you all can watch or not watch, read about or listen to that we had on Kentucky Roll Call. It's on the website KSR as well. But he's still kind of in a tailspin because he was one of four or five guys that has a legit shot at being a late pick that had to go prove, you know, they had to perform well at pro day. Pro day's out. Iowa was holding it without anybody, and they were going to film it and then send it to NFL teams. Uh I thought that might – I guess we have to see how things go. But, yeah, it's sounding like that's not even a possibility now. Because that, mm-hmm. Kentucky's campus is effectively shut mm-hmm. down. They're, uh, they're going to have some people slowly get on campus uh, over the next few days um, as they're moving people out. Um, but, I mean, T- Calvin was still just saying, like, uh, I'm just trying to figure out where I can train. You know, because yeah. these gyms are shut down. Um, you need equipment to train. Yeah, um, and so some people, they're, they're doing different alternatives, but just for those guys' sake in general, like Lynn Bowden, this probably won't hurt him um, because he put out a lot of good stuff on film. Um, but like a guy like Ahmad Wagner. Well, anybody that went to the combine, like the real deal combine, they're fine. which is the majority of, majority of the picks, Yeah, that's fine. But like the guys you see every year drafted in like the sixth, seventh round, the well, Georgia Safo AJ, yep. he got drafted because the Giants went to UK's pro day. Man, and he like crushed what, it. Like what they saw, and they picked him late. So for guys like Calvin Taylor, Ahmad Wagner, those type of guys that really needed to show something there to limited NFL personnel teams but would still have something on tape, that opportunity is gone for them now. Well, and especially in Wagner's case because he's got, what, 24, I mean, quality snaps? Where the balls where he's being targeted, right? I mean, like right. he has a very limited amount of film, but he just has all this athleticism and untapped mm-hmm. potential. Somebody sees him do a crazy vertical leap, boom! And it goes for NFL teams too because now they can't get the medicals on these guys. No, no. And as uh, of right now, now Calvin said that they can still uh, communicate with these NFL teams, but it's not mm-hmm. happening as regularly because Skype, he, FaceTime, they can do all that type of stuff. But it's not the same. Like a lot of these guys, they just want to meet him. And they would be showing up throughout spring practice and kind of talking events and then going and meeting with these guys after they worked out. That's kind of the general day-to-day when spring practice is happening. All that's out of the equation now. So their draft future is uncertain. We do know the draft is staying put at April 23rd. Um, And there's searching creative options to be able to broadcast it. But obviously players will not be flying to Las Vegas to – um, walk, man. We're missing out on the pontoons though across the Bellagio yeah. Fountains. Man, I was Vegas shut down. Uh, the wind closing all their casinos. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, it's a responsible thing to do. But this is uh, you know, it's real in Vegas. It's yeah, stopping. yeah. Nothing ever stops Vegas mm-hmm. except uh, COVID nineteen, the coronavirus. So um, the show will go on in that respect. NFL free agency that's still going on. Uh, Tom Brady. Well, after you hear this, you probably know where he's going. But we, it's as of right the, it's now, the we Bucks, don't. Though, right? You think? I just, I, I think that makes the most sense. I just have a hard time seeing him wearing that. that well, uniform. yeah, that's that's the big thing is we can't get it passed. But 
here is here is my spin uh, my spin zone for Jack Pilgrim, who or colleague is a diehard Patriots fan. He's quite a, a loser about it. And when I mean loser, he's like the like God, stop being such a douche, Jack. <laughs> like it really he's Mr. Celtics Patriots fan, diehard through and through. Tom Brady, his man's leaving him. But the alternative is that Brady could be playing with his boy Mike Edwards. So yeah. that's that's my spin zone for Jack is that maybe Jack can be friends with Brady one day. And when I say friends, like maybe go to a game. Maybe like, Mike Edwards can be friends with Brady. <laughs> that's even a long shot. How cool would it be if you're Mike Edwards, though, just like the thought of picking off Tom Brady passes in practice and not Jameis Winston, which the it's numbers would go down. Yeah, I saw <laughs> – I saw a thing on Twitter today. Everybody knows Jameis had 30 interceptions last year. Yeah. He also had like 25 passes that were dropped that could have been intercepted. <laughs> My favorite part about all of this isn't like, because uh, honestly, as much as like there were times in my life where I was a big Patriots hater, I really learned to appreciate them in recent years because of just their greatness. It, it, wherever he goes, he's, he's not, they're not going to be as good. Uh, you can't convince me otherwise. Like, you just can't. Unless it was with the Titans. That was the only team that I was like, okay, there's a lot around him. They're going to be good. Kind of like Peyton going to the Broncos. In this case, okay, yes, the Bucks got Mike Evans. Um, and Chris uh, Godwin. Yeah. Okay, yes, they got that. They got Bruce. But, but you got, got to be able to stretch the defense out. He doesn't have that arm anymore. So it kind of makes me upset, but what excites me is the prospects of who's going to be his replacement. And – they're talking about trading for Andy Dalton. And I saw Cam Newton today. Some people brought up. Oh man, either of those or Jameis signing that would make me happy. Like the possibilities, just of Bill Belichick. Like imagine Bill Belichick's face when Jameis Winston like throws an interception. <laughs> like it will take years off of his life. I'm just ready to see what that looks like. Just Patriots and Belichick, because it feels like he's wanted this for a little bit to prove that. He just doesn't. I mean, he doesn't need Brady. Like, yeah, he can still win at a high level even without the greatest quarterback ever. <sighs> it's a pretty big gamble, though. And they've won when Brady's had to sit out, like the four-game suspension a couple years ago. Yeah, but those are. I mean, He's he made won. Matt Castle. He got Matt Castle paid. Mm-hmm. Um, he got oh Jacoby Brissett paid too. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I don't know. That's I. I hope, though, so we're recording on Tuesday. Brady made that announcement this morning that he's not going to the Patriots. I hope this drags out for like three or four days before he announces which team he's going to. Just trickle out this mm-hmm. NFL news as long as we can because we're not going to get it forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from a Kentucky standpoint, Randall Cobb teaming up with so Lonnie last, Johnson. Yep, late last late Monday night. Going from the Cowboys to the Texans, which – So, Randall Cobb, this will be his, what, like 11th year in the NFL coming up? That sound right? They gave him a three-year deal too, which yeah. I'm sure only like one or two is guaranteed, yeah. and they can cut him back. But but a good chunk of that money was guaranteed. Speaking man. of Texans, man, what? Okay, <sighs> folks, I think you all are well aware of my opinions on Scott Frost at this point. I don't like him. Think he's overrated, overhyped. Bill O'Brien is my Scott Frost, but I think Bill O'Brien too is like he. <sighs> He's almost like Kiffin-esque in that he like fails upwards. Like they gave him a promotion to general manager this year after that catastrophe against the Chiefs. Like each year, what do they say whenever the Texans are playing? 
they got to get somebody to protect Deshaun Watson. They're going to get that guy killed. They're going to get that man. So what does he do? He goes out and trades for a running back and get ri- gets rid of the best weapon. DeAndre Hopkins, yes, he's old. But he's not like – he's got three good years left in him at least. Yeah, he, here's the thing with all that. Like, obviously in the NFL, the, the big thing now is – is like striking when your quarterback's on his rookie deal because then you have more cat flexibility for every other position. So you would think that you need to do everything you can while Deshaun Watson's on his rookie deal, so that would maybe keep DeAndre Hopkins. But even if you re- even if you realize that we're we're, we're too far away, we're not going to catch anybody yet. We we have this asset in Hopkins. Let's try to get something for him for the future. But they don't do that. No, <laughs> they no. go and get a running back that's older and a running back that's averaged under four yards per carry the last two seasons. So you get a downgrade in talent for a guy that's going to have a, probably a shorter shelf life than De- the rest of DeAndre Hopkins' career. It, and, and then you look at the Texans. Who are they going to throw to on the outside? They don't have a first-round pick. They don't pick until number 57 late in the second round. Love Randall Cobb, but then they add – I mean, he's just a slot receiver. Yeah, and he's also not what he once was. He doesn't have that same get-up. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, he's been in the league, you know, 10, 11 years. I mean, I guess they have the one dude who's always hurt. Will Fuller. Yeah, who – great when healthy, but, mm-hmm. I mean, he's hurt every other week with a hammy or a groin. He's he, – I don't know if he's a SoFlo guy, but he strikes me as a SoFlo guy. Played in Notre Dame. Mm. Well, let's find out. I think he's from California. That sounds – Oh, right. He, if he's Southern California, that might as well be the same. Let's look it up here. Oh, man, when you look up Will Fuller, Will Fuller injury no. is the first thing that comes up. Philadelphia. Philly? He's from Philly and he's that soft? <laughs> Dave Lackford, I'm disappointed in your Philadelphia. Like, come on. That is that is incredibly disappointing. Oh. Either way, I just I, – you know what I like, though, is that Bill O'Brien, this dumb move by Bill O'Brien, like everything in the world feels off right now, but Bill O'Brien putting out a wet fart as his first move as acting GM is just, okay, everything's normal. Like, it's fine. Turns out that those are two different jobs that require two people. (laughs) And if they're not going to require two people, you probably should have someone that's probably a little bit better than Bill O'Brien doing that. Oh, man. And Bill O'Brien, man, I mean – because he's on the playoffs like four out of six years he's been a head coach. They, he, I mean, he's been a respectable head coach. And I'm – because that's, that's the ultimate. Mm-hmm. I think what we're seeing in the NFL free agency right now is that average is good and it's breaking through past that average. Because right – especially in the quarterback market right now um, where you're in a transitional period where the guys who were dominant for a long time are aging out. Phillip Rivers is on his last stand. Tom Brady's on his last stand. We're only going to have a couple more years of Big Ben. Um, there's another Drew Brees. He's and and Drew Brees' decision. For, if you're the Saints, you're probably like you're, you're kind of putting him in a tough spot. I think. Yeah, but Drew Brees is New Orleans Saints football at this point. He's. You, but is it Tom Brady though? Like that. That's that's the dilemma that these teams are being put in. Mm-hmm. And. Um, in in Breeze's case, there's that it's forcing them to have to let Bridgewater go, and now that's up in the air um, as to if it's going to be Carolina. I know the Bears were trying to make moves. Bridgewater, he's one, he is one of the hottest, most sought after guys because they've seen that he's a steady ship, and I guess the thought in the NFL is all right if we can get longevity and not just completely tanking our team, Jameis Winston, then you have value. Yeah, and. 
and and that's the same kind of goes back to Bill O'Brien where it's like, well, you can't fire the guy because he's taking any playoffs, but you're not going to succeed with him. And trying to find, trying to get that supporting gas gathered to to break through is much easier said than done. Yes, that's that's why you see teams flirting around that nine and seven, nine seven eight and eight oh, is the worst place to be in well, the NFL. And and now the Vikings they they went and they gave Kirk Cousins more money because they're in that same boat of like, we're going to the playoffs, we're close. But we just really? catch a couple breaks. Yeah, and, and that, I guess that's what they're telling themselves, mm-hmm. but it's not giving them any breaks. Right. And, frankly, it's kind of hilarious to watch these teams pay these quarterbacks this much money. And I'm just thankful that we have this to discuss. I really am. Yeah. I, I, this is the most popular NFL free agency has been, I would assume, ever. With, all, with, with number one, Brady, but just there's nothing really else to talk about right now. Well, well hold on, Adam Luckett. Hold on, because the biggest coronavirus move in the Commonwealth right now was also uh, became official this morning. The Kentucky Derby will not be run on the first Saturday in May since World War II. Back then, they uh, they still ran the race like regular until the last year of the war. Like I don't know why they waited until it was almost one, but they banned horse racing in 1945, and Matt Wynn said the Kentucky Derby will be ran. Every year in per- perpetuity, as long as there, if if only, if, even if there are only two people watching and two horses running, VE Day happened. The ban was lifted, and a month later they ran the Derby on June seventh, nineteen forty-five, I believe. Um, and fast forward seventy-six years, give or take. Yeah, sure, that sounds about right. And now it's Podcast moving math. from the first Saturday in May to the first Saturday in September, Labor Day weekend. The opening. Of college football season. Before we get into that, do they run it at night? No. You don't think so? No, you don't I, even think that's on the table? Uh, I mean, if you count night, it's like seven, but it's not going to be like prime time. I can't. I mean, this is the year to do it. Oh, shit, man, that'd be awesome, though. Because, I mean. Like, if you started races at like three and had like, because they always run like three or, like three stakes going into it. Mm-hmm. Have you had like the Derby at like nine Eastern? Well, the only way they can do it, and I think this is on the table, I think we're going to get into that. Is does college football start on time? I think that's a legit question. Yeah, yeah. And as of right now, that's the the big conundrum that we're facing is because of TV rights deals that NBC has with Notre Dame to move it to the fall. NBC's like our broadcast team, our sports, our, our primary broadcast team with Mike Tirico and the gang is focused on Notre Dame football and. That weekend they're off because Notre Dame gets a week zero game against Navy in Ireland. As of right now. Which, taking your Navy to Ireland, you know, you'd think you're starting a war. But <laughs> that's that's actually not the case. But they're – so that's week zero. Mm-hmm. That gives the opening for September 5th. Um, and so they're like, all right, well, we're going to do it then because Breeders' Cup's in November and we can't have the two that close to one another. Uh, I think – the other Notre Dame's other open date was like two weeks before, and just ten twenty four. So their other open date, I've got it up. Right yeah, now. and so that's uh, might just be a week, two yeah, two weeks before the Breeders' Cup. So they don't want to do that. Um, so this is what made most sense from a horseman standpoint, and from a, okay, we'll at least have a three day weekend, and you know we don't know how long this kind of shutdown is going to be, but this feels like if we give ourselves four months, this will be a nice cushion. Um, you know. It, to at least get back to normalcy. Now, from a personal standpoint, 
no person is more heartbroken <laughs> over potentially having to choose between Kentucky football and the Kentucky Derby because, folks, I love the Kentucky Derby more than people in Oklahoma love Texas Roadhouse. That's a lot of love. It's a lot of love. Y'all don't understand. It's it's a big deal. I let one friend convince me, just miss this year, buddy. We'll go to a bachelor party. It'll be the only one you miss. You can go to the rest of them from here on out. Well, now I think I jinxed it. I think it's my fault that this is happening because – Kentucky football is probably the biggest thing in my life. It's my job. It's it's what I do every day. And what could be an historic season is currently slated to open on the same time day as the Kentucky Derby. Now, we don't have we don't have the time of game, mate. But yeah, that's what if we're if, if all things were normal, it'd probably be a noon kickoff mm-hmm. on SEC Network. Now, from my understanding, I, w- I was going to go on a long rant about like. Please, Mitch Barnhart, for the love of God, make this happen. Before I even went on that, I've heard that Kentucky is already efforting to accommodate because here's the thing. They are competing for a lot of the same audience, and they don't want to open this big, um, you know, it's it's a big season, and they don't want it to open in a half-ass empty stadium. This could be their first big event in months on UK's campus, and they can't afford for it to be have a lackluster attendance. People are, I mean, people are going to be thirsty. Yes. When sports start up again, and that's like I think this could, in a weird way, this is probably going to help the season ticket numbers over there. Well, and that's why part of the reason why I'm like, Derby's never going to be on Labor Day again. I got to be there. I got to experience it because that, there's going to be a lot of just like. Thank God we're finally out of the house. It's been five days, folks. It's only that feeling is just going to grow over the next month. So it's going to be more and more pent up. So I think UK understands that, and I think they're working to move that game around. SEC Network every year that Thursday they show a game. It's been Texas A&M versus FCS for the last three, four years. If they get in there early enough, they can maybe be that that, that game. Uh, here's so I think if you're Mark Stoops, that's what you want. You want that Thursday night. Um, but see. then you have to think. Remember the last Thursday night game. What Kentucky has to do because of what they depend on that parking lot for, where you, you almost have to cancel school that Friday. I pulled up the. Oh wait, hell! This isn't just the SEC. This is every damn team. You looking at A and M schedule? I'm trying to look at every SEC. A uh, and M's for the the fifth as well. Um, yeah, see. I mean, they haven't said who they're, who's in that game yet, but they always f- move somebody into that slot. Okay, because Louisville got moved into that slot. They're probably going to get ESPN. And if you're Louisville, you're pumped because you got Thur- Thurby as your lead-in at Car- Cardinal Stadium. Like, that's going to be a crazy-ass day. Well, that gets back like, that gets to another question. How drunk is Cardinal Stadium? How, how, packed, does Thurby, how packed does Cardinal Stadium parking like it for Thurby? I don't know because I always walk. <laughs> I mean, that's a honest question to ask because they need that's gonna they're gonna have to shut off parking. How how is that gonna work together with a football game being that day and oh, whatnot? But the reason they're allowed to they're able to do that though is because I think Louisville's playing on Thursday. The reason oh that, yeah yeah that Derby's gonna be on that Saturday. Saturday is because they don't have to conflict with Louisville. But that's gonna be crazy. If you're Mark Stoops, though, you want that Thursday game or hell you even Friday. take a Friday because Friday here's the be thing. Awesome. I, in my mind, Sunday's the best, just from a pure viewership standpoint. The ESPN ruined that Sunday. It used to be a great day to watch football, and now they've made it to where they only have one mega cast on Sunday night. 
And last year, it sucked. Oklahoma beat the snot out of Houston. It wasn't mm-hmm. even close. It was really infuriating. We, we have all these games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then we get nothing on Sunday. They used to be the Kentucky Louisville game every year, Sunday Labor Day, mm-hmm. like 3.30 kickoff. It was hotter than hell, but it was fun to watch. Now they're Or pro- move it to week zero if you could. Or move it to week zero. But Stoops, Stoops wouldn't want to go Sunday because you got to go to Florida the next week. Yes. And you don't want to, you don't want to do that on a short week. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't even though this Eastern Michigan team folks, we're I'm, we're going to talk about them when it comes, but they suck. I have started a document of this is what I'm to do. <laughs> while I, she's been while Taylor's been painting the house, you've been starting I have, documents. I have uh made a little portfolio of UK schedule and tidbits to to know. So I've already started charting for 20 for 2020. And Eastern Michigan. And, yes, well, getting to my point, Eastern Michigan, the offense could be okay. Uh, the backup quarterback that's stepping in, played last year and put up some good numbers, has got some receivers back. But they lost their offense coordinator, and the defense is going to be – should be pretty bad again. They yeah. lose – they lose. They had a good secondary on a bad defense last year. They lose every, every impactful player in that secondary. We um... – in, in in there's you also have the revenge factor. Mm-hmm. Um, say one by what three touchdowns last year despite that injury. It looks like there's no Sunday games just a, but in for that scheduled yet. Yeah, but there 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 will eventually be one. Um, so that I think that's an option. But to your point too, uh, Luckett, I think I don't know if we've met, if this was a discussion we had off air at the combine or what. But these games too are supposed to be a um, like th- this is a. Second half, you rest the starters. So I think there's in a world you can spin it where Sunday still works, but for everybody's sake, you can't have Kentucky football and Kentucky Derby on the same day. You just can't. And I know that there's a lot of people listening who don't get it. It's just a stupid horse race. But like, it's a big deal for people around the city of Louisville. Uh, we we spend weeks just doing nothing. Um, and it's not just because it's a good excuse to drink. The only derby my dad has missed since high school was for his dad's funeral. Like That's the kind of dedication you have for some folks around here uh, when it comes to derby. Other people, they are annoyed by it. But I think you also have to consider, even if you aren't a derby diehard, and you live in the city of Louisville, and there's a Kentucky football game against Eastern Michigan, do you want to get out in derby traffic and then go fight Lexington traffic, and then drive home right when Derby's going home, and fight Derby traffic again, just Why to not? go watch Kentucky see Eastern Michigan. What do you What do you think the crowd for Derby's going to be like on I a think different day? It is going to be insane. Do you? I do. And I know that it would involve um, involve. And I, I think the crowd for travelers when they talk, like when you watch the broadcast, they really hype up all these people from across the country going. Um, I it would it would hurt the celebrity. You're not gonna have the NFL players that you normally do, and you're not gonna have the celebs. But I think the infield could have NBA players this time that usually couldn't go. Well, of the NBA playoffs. Yeah, well, they might be in, still in the NBA playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this it's it's going to be weird, but I think just from a yeah, we don't know how any of this is gonna shake out. I, I, if all is well and everybody stays healthy and we get through the coronavirus pandemic, um, and by August things are back to normal, uh, I think it'll be a record-setting derby um, because people will just want to be there for the, the oddity of it. Um, but, like I said, we don't know where that's going to be, and it could affect the start of football season at a market. 
right? Because everything is canceled now. So at this time, we would obviously have spring football going on. Mm-hmm. But even after that, you have the workouts with the strength coach. The coaches can't have contact. They're, they're supposed to be going through team workouts right now. And all that is gone. So now all the players are at home. So how do they work out? How do they stay in shape? Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they've sent them like a workout plan. If you can do this, do that. If you can't do this, do this, do this, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, but now we don't know like how long is this going to last? Like really, as a country, we just need to get through these next two weeks and just reevaluate. Um, yeah. Then I think there's going to be a lot of that. Um, a lot of reevaluation stages going on. But when you look at the sports world, specifically college football, it's the it's the one it's the one sport that's the least impacted as a schedule wise right now, meaning that it's the farthest away. Right. But you don't know what like the ripple effect's gonna be because it's messed up the entire part of the calendar. And that's not even talking about recruiting. Yeah. Well, which I thought it was oddly time that DeKel Crowder said he was gonna announce in May. Mm-hmm. Which good on him from a PR standpoint of, you know, nobody's doing anything. Jagger let's, Burton. Let's grab some news. It's probably only going to be. Like those kids can't visit anywhere. Yeah, and they I'm, visited UK a bunch of times. And he already. said that Kentucky's going to be his last visit, I think. Yeah. And yeah. Ohio State's going to be his first. Mm-hmm. But the other three, those are up in the air. Yeah. You know? And that Ohio State. one of them wanted recruiting. to be, you know, he wanted to get out to Oregon for one of them. Right. And. My impression of his or he really just wants to go to Oregon because when he was a kid he loved Oregon and when he was a kid that was Chip Kelly and they were making out like gangbusters. Yeah, and you can't, like, can't blame him for that for sure. Yeah, and and honestly, that's how I would want to play out the recruiting process too. Like, hell, find me out to all these places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but well, if it was my kid, I'm like your ass. We're going on some of these visits. Exactly. <laughs> and they wine and dine you, you know, like right. hell yeah, you get that dinner at Jeff Ruby's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. For the local kids, it's going to help Kentucky. But, you know, like, think about June. So, let's just – Well, they, now they the, well, the summer's become really more important with this new recruiting calendar. And so now they can't even host them. I mean, right. June was going to be official visit month. Mm-hmm. And, and they just camps throughout the summer that they have for not just this class, for oh, classes big. down the road. I mean, that's where John Sharman told Jagger Burton, Hey, you should try offensive line instead of defensive line. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, he's a top 100 recruit. Like th- those camps are a big damn deal for recruiting. Those are completely gone. So the ripple effect's big, but just from on the college football season in general, it hasn't encroached on training camp yet because they would still be around report date um, in July. And I think it was typically the last week of July um, that reporting would start happening. But just. Everybody needs to keep that in mind moving forward as more and more stuff kind of keeps getting pushed back. That the the fast the the hard cutoff date for training camp, week zero people would be like July sixteenth and July twenty third for the, the rest mm-hmm. of college football. I have a sneaky suspicion that they're probably going to add a few extra practices in camp. Maybe let them start sooner since everybody pretty much missed spring ball. Kentucky got some practices in yeah. But Georgia, Alabama, they didn't even start. How how much do you think missing spring practice, what, what impact do you think it has on this Kentucky football team? I think it impacts a few positions, obviously. I think some of the spots are have questions about. Left guard. Right. But receiver. I, but your quarterback, I mean, all he was doing was throwing. 
but I think that hurts that now that they're separated, he can't really go out and throw, you know, no. get timing down. I think yeah. that hurts. Um, but for most, for the most part, it's pretty set in stone. Kentucky's got an old team for next Man. year. Thank God this didn't happen a year ago. Mm-hmm. What would that secondary look like? Oh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's was obviously the concern about you know the first year coordinator too on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And they, now, they, now they're, they kind of they're settled in a little bit, but there's going to be a tenth assistant head coach that the team hasn't seen. Yeah. Until fall camp opens. Nope. <laughs> there is a new guy on campus though. There is. Learned that Which yesterday. By, by Monday. The way, we have, we butchered his name seven. Greg Minuski. We butchered that name a hundred times before we started. I was saying Polzinski, Kazuski, Greg Minuski. And uh, uh, any last name with a ski ending. Yeah, it's a pretty good football name. Oh, definitely. He's he's got the football coach goatee too. Mm-hmm. Um, when it looks like he's just been living with the headset his entire life, and he has for the last twenty years, but not at the collegiate level. He has been bouncing back between the Colts, the Redskins, the San Diego Superchargers, San Diego Superchargers. Yeah, over a decade of NFL coordinator experience. Yes. Um, uh, he started coaching in 2001 in the NFL ranks mm-hmm. with linebackers and spent the last three seasons coordinating the defense of Washington Redskins. Shout out to all the Redskins fans who <laughs> are Kentucky fans who are just like, keep him away from us. He's He ruined yeah. the defense. It's like I got a few of those too. It's also like, hey, um, who was on the Redskins' defense? That was well. He's also not coaching UK either. Exactly, he's a quality control guy. He's just a football guy who watches film, who helps game planning, and as Freddie Magger pointed out on KentuckySportsRadio.com, that film study isn't just on the opposing team. It's a lot of watching film on your own guys, saying, "Hey, DeAndre Square." Self scouting. What the hell are your your shoulders aren't square here? Square, get them squared. Square, mm-hmm. square. Did I say square enough? Mm-hmm. But self scouting is the the. the and Minuski, I think, he could be used as a guy that maybe coaches the coaches, like maybe coach since he's had experience with Brad White. It's somebody Brad White can lean on and take, maybe some criticism from, or yep. maybe some stuff he needs to do better, and also uh, just another. Brain in the room, mm-hmm. who's, you know, obviously a highly, highly football intellectual. Oh, he's seen some stuff. Right. And you he's know. three, four background. And then when you look at his defensive finishes, and this is Football Outsiders DVLA rankings, which is like their efficiency rankings. You know, middle he's middle of the road in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But he's, I mean, the, he's had some bad finishes in the 20s, but he's had a lot in the teens. And then he had his defense ranked fifth in 09. I believe that's when he was with the 49ers. Yes, and that was yes. Super Bowl? I think it was a couple years before the Super Bowl. Man, he's been close on Super Bowl wins. I don't think – see, I think when Harbaugh took the job, that's when he left. That's when he got out. I'm okay, pretty okay. sure. Um, he also – I noticed he got drafted the year after the Redskins won their last Super Bowl, which is kind of – not their last Super Bowl. I think they won yeah. a Super Bowl, and then he left again, and they won another Super Bowl. Yeah, he was with the Niners <laughs> when they had Mike Nolan. He was his defensive coordinator when Harbaugh came in. I like Mike Nolan. More of the tie on the sideline. Yeah, mm-hmm. real classy. Him and Mike Singletary. Just kind of yeah, – it's got some screws loose. Um, Can't do it. <laughs> Won't do it. <laughs> um, but Minuski, it's kind of funny. We thought going into this, man, Mark Stoops, he's going to have Mike Stoops working for him. That's kind of weird. Mark used to work for Mike. Well, 
this is kind of true on the other foot, except with Brad White, where Brad White worked for Minuski when he was with the Colts for two years as when he started out as an assistant there. And now Minuski is going to be working for Brad White. So, And it's worth noting, Brad White, he was off the field. He was in a kind of a quality control role with the Colts. Yeah, and then he, he moved he into promoted. a field yeah. role while Minuski was there. So when it came to promoting him, the guy Kentucky just hired. Thanks probably, highly of him. Yeah. Right. And here's what makes this the reason why this is significant news, folks. How many people on Nick Saban's staff are like – Folks joke that it's like uh, you go to it, – it's coach rehab with Nick Saban. Uh, you had the guy, Mike Loxley, f- go from New Mexico State. You get Saban's sprinkle dust. Exactly. Magic dust. Mike Loxley flames out fast at New Mexico State, goes to uh, Alabama, and then gets hired at Maryland. Like, instant promotion. Lane Kiffin goes, gets the sprinkle fairy dust, and gets a head job at FAU. Now he's back in the SEC. Uh, right now, you've got Mike Stoops, who's waiting to to get that more of that dust, and Butch Jones, which mm-hmm. I can understand why I would take each of them. They got a little bit more dust that they need to get on them. Mm-hmm. Now Stoops, he's got a guy of his own who spent twenty years in the NFL, and who's trying to get his name back in there. He's 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 switching things up, and now Stoops gets to have his own guy in that similar form and of fashion. Stoops had a guy by the name of John Jancic was in the same role couple years ago. He was Butch Jones's defensive coordinator at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I believe he got fired. And then he landed on – then he got Colorado State's D.C. job. Now, I think he's out of a job now. Now yeah, that Bobo got fired. But it's it's been a role where somebody's came in, worked under him, and landed on their feet somewhere. And this is the highest profile of those moves. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, too, folks. I was just doing some looking at the numbers. I don't know how they got better. I guess because teams played in bowl games and got a lot of points scored on them. But even when Kentucky got passed on a lot, second-ranked pass defense in the country. Second. I thought it was fourth. No, second. There's there's a lot of good things about this defense, and bringing in somebody with NFL experience is, uh, I think I, I would categorize that as a good idea, Adam Luckett. Yeah, I would agree with you. <laughs> Another thing about the pass defense numbers – a lot of it was because they were shrinking the game, yeah. so there's less oh, plays. Yeah. Yeah. you yeah. know. So, oh, it, but you know what? You bet your sweet ass mm-hmm. we're still going to talk about yeah. it. Yeah, but even if you look just yards per attempt, they they were 13th. Um, opponents QB rating 12th, so top 15 at yeah. worst. So I mean, it, for for a young secondary and a pass rush, an edge pass rush that for most half of the season. Mm-hmm. was kind of missing, and right. then they kind of turned it on late. With Bookie. Mm-hmm. Really turned it on with Bookie. So uh, there's a lot to be excited about, but unfortunately it's it's another one of those things where, you know. And I'm starting to get the suspicion with Mike Stoops, maybe, just maybe, he thinks he's going to get a big role at Alabama here soon, whether it's on the field coaching or maybe coordinator or co-coordinator or yeah, something. yeah. Because I know yeah, I Pete, Pete Golding, who's the D.C. now, uh, if Bama comes back and has a big year, he's he's a young guy, he's going to have some suitors probably pretty soon. And then maybe after that he possibly sees as a chance for him. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's got a connection with Sark when he gets a head coaching job. Yeah. And maybe he can go with him wherever he goes. Is Tom Brady, did he pick a spot? 
Is that what that was? Yeah, uh, Phil Rivers one year deal with the Colts, twenty five million. My 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 buddy's a Colts fan. He was like, "There's a lot of people I'd rather have than Phil Rivers." I like Phil Rivers. There's though. a lot of people I'd rather not have than Phil Rivers too. But he did not have a good Jacoby year last Brissett? year. Jacoby Brissett. I take Phil Rivers over him. Man, he Phil Rivers is that little shot put thing. Yeah. Like which. He didn't. Yeah, he did not have a great year. Man, I don't know how I missed out on this thing, but the way Cam Newton types, really bizarre. Did you see the Instagram message thing he had? Yeah, I I had to I stopped after ten words because it was giving me a headache. What yeah, also? How incredible is it that a guy like Cam Newton? I mean, he was the MVP. It felt like yesterday, and Von Miller just ruined him. Things move fast in the NFL. They were fifteen and one the year that year. The Panthers. Oh God, what, what year was that? Was that fifteen? Oh. I think. Does that sound right? That sounds right. When did he win MVP? Yeah, he was MVP. In 2015. 15, yeah. That's what I thought. And now they're looking to trade him. Move fast, man. Which, you know what? So, okay, let, let me ask you this question. If you're Teddy Bridgewater, New England Patriots or Joe Brady in Carolina? If you're Bridgewater? Yeah. Money is equal. All things equal. Belichick and the Patriots or Joe Brady, offensive coordinator, Carolina Panthers, and Christian McCaffrey. As I probably picked the Patriots. You're playing for Belichick on the division, whereas in that division, it's the Saints division as of right now. And you're risking. I but, think Rule's going to be good, and Brady. I, it all seems like he's going to be good, but we you don't know. When McDaniel's is proven as a good you, OC. Do you want to be the guy who replaces Tom Brady though? Are you ready to handle that? Yeah, I mean. I don't know. It's like it's it's tougher than it should be. Like you would think it'd be a no brainer mm-hmm. for the Patriots, but who the hell who's he gonna throw to in New England? That's true. Uh what's that guy's name? Nikhil? Nikhil Harry. Yeah. Like, I mean, well he's only he's gonna throw to Cam, uh, McCaffrey eighteen times for the Panthers. <laughs> Hand it off to Reggie Bonifant. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, they don't have a bunch of weapons either off the top of my head. So to to peel behind the curtain, folks, um, we are we, – we've got some, some fun topics um, that we've saved up for we've – got, we've got three pretty evergreen topics that we've got saved up for a podcast. Just want to say this before we get going. Okay. Jason Witten is still playing, but it's not going to be for the Cowboys. Who, who wants – He signed a one-year deal with the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, God. Why is he still playing, man? I mean – I mean, it... You can only run that stick route. For five yards so many times. I mean, good for him, but why is anybody paying him? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. All right, but we've got three We've got three pretty evergreen topics. And the thing is, is I think we could almost do an entire podcast on each one. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I'm debating if we do two in the next one or all three. or uh, Do we save all three for that one? Well, how, let's then, give them. Let's give them one. Okay. Okay. How about we do um, college basketball coaches and the their college football. football counterparts? Yes. Yes. Let's go ahead and do that one because so uh, essentially this is an exercise where we take college basketball coaches and we say, hey, who who would they be in college football? And before we do that, we want to remind you that throughout this process, when you're working from home, I, we highly advise you to get some sore performance shipped to you at your home 
to stay hydrated throughout these trying times. Because here's the thing. When you're working from home, you do a lot of sitting around. You're probably not getting up and stretching like you should be. Um, you're probably not drinking as much water as you need to. Your feet start cramping up. My hands, I'm washing my hands so much, it's starting to get this weird thing. Stay hydrated with Sore Performance with Shield. They've got a ton of different products that you can get uh, at home. Deliver, deliver to your home the Lexington Base all-natural uh, beverage will make sure you're in the game, even though you're not in the office right now. Listen, it will keep you hydrated no matter what. Drink it, drinksword.com. And here's the thing, right now, it's local businesses are hurting. This is one way that you can support a local business and stay hydrated without any chemical additives, no dyes, flavored with real fruit, all clear and clean, healthy hydration that's all natural without preservatives. Get the electrolytes you need with Sword and Shield. Sword Performance, go to drinksword.com, get some Sword delivered to you today. Now, Adam Luckett, let's go through our SEC basketball coaches. How do you want to start it? Let's just go back and forth with some that we've come up with. Okay. And let's save Bruce Pearl and Cal for the end because okay. that's some intense okay. debating. It's going to be tough to figure out the perfect fit for each. I've got one, and I think you have one for this one as well. Okay. Mike White, Florida. Ooh, okay. This one was kind of tough. Mm-hmm. I went with Willie Taggart. Okay. Because they're up-and-coming guys that are hot names. Mm-hmm. Really hot names. Really hot names. But then when you see a little bit more of them, you're like, eh. And they both replaced the guy that won a national championship. Yeah. It's like, do we – we thought we really liked what we had here, Mm -hmm. and then the more you see of him, you're like, oh, God, this isn't going to work out. Mine was the guy Kentucky just played in the Belk Bowl, Justin Fuente. When Justin Fuente was hired, they were like, this is the perfect fit. He's going to win big at Virginia Tech. It makes a ton of sense. When Mike White was hired, they're like, man, he dresses like Billy Donovan. <laughs> he walks the sideline like Billy He's Donovan. He's got spiked hair. This is going to work. And the early returns were good. Mike White's second year, they went to the lead eight. I believe in Fuente's first year, they made the ACC championship, won 10 games. Mm-hmm. But then after that, it's kind of been like a slow decline for both yeah. of them. And so now they're See. now they're. I think they're both entering big seasons next year where it's kind of like put up or shut up time. Because I think both fan bases are getting pretty restless with both right, of them. Right, right. So for to, for that one, I think that one was one I came up with quick. Cause it's Fuente, just like they're kind of in the same boat. So Mike White would be Taggart if this was like two years later and he was fired. Mm-hmm. Whereas T- Taggart already got the boot. I and like Taggart Justin flamed Fuente. out fast. Way too fast, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas at least Fuente did get some good returns. I like Justin Fuente. Mike White is Justin Fuente. Um, the, the next one is my favorite so far. And that's Ben Howland. Adam, look at who do you got for Ben Howland? Anybody? Ben Howland. I picked Mark Richt. Okay. And let me explain why. Ben Howland, they start off fast. Like Rick was a coordinator at Florida State for big, where Howland won big at Pitt, won a couple of Big East t- t- titles. Then he goes to a prestigious program in UCLA. Has some good returns. They yeah. went to a few Final, Final Fours, fours. recruited a bunch of one and duns. Georgia. Brick has some good returns. Went Sugar won an SEC championship early. Won yep. a bunch, had a bunch of double digit win seasons, but then he flamed out because his offense has got stale. While and that's a big reason for Howland, his offense got bad. And then they 
they return and kind of they take a year off, return in kind of a weird spot. He yeah. goes to Mississippi State. Rick goes to Miami. Rick grows a goatee, and he's like mm-hmm. he's like prison Mike. Rick, almost. Like, Rick doesn't. He's last, the you Mike. Rick doesn't last as long. But if he kept going at Miami, like he was going to go seven and five, eight and four. Which is Every what Howland's doing. Which is kind of in a similar way. Fart around with the, Missi- with the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like that. But I think he is, in personality, is just like that Yankee carpetbagger they just fired down there. Just like Joe Moorhead. They just don't fit in. There's something oh, yeah. about their personality. It's like, dude, well, what are you doing in Starkville, Mississippi? You don't belong here, buddy. It's not a normal place to fit in either. I <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I think I'm going to have to start giving my uh, mine out for years because yours have much more like pedigree where mine's a lot just about their face mm-hmm. and how they don't fit in. Because that was the thing with Joe Moorhead. It was always square peg. And when Ben Howlin got hired, you were like, wait, this dude's going from Westwood to mm-hmm. Starkville? Like – has he been to Starkville? Does he know what he's getting into? So, uh, very stark differences between both of them. And don't call me Shirley. But I, I think you're kind of more right on when it comes to Mark Rick. Just because. If only Ben Howland was like kind of a Jesus guy, then it'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. Mark Rick, big Jesus guy. big. Because guy. just 10 years ago, both those guys were but like the top. Like if they were doing coaching rankings 10 years ago. Man, yeah. They're both. Cream the, of the crop. They're both near the top. and. and yep. Years pass and they just fallen quickly. Hope that didn't get into y'all's ears too bad. All right, next person, Tom Crean. And this one was hard for me. This one was easy for me, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, I, I think I have the same answer. You because him and his brother-in-law yeah. Jim Harbaugh, yeah. Harbaugh, they both make really weird faces. They both had some success, mm-hmm. and they both are very polarizing in that. There's some people who love both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Indiana fans don't like Tom Crean, but uh, I mean, especially when he did his kind of PR thing with part of my tape, people are like, "Oh, it's Tom Green guy. He's not so bad." Same goes for Harbaugh. I mean, hell, yeah, they, they hell they interview him too. But some people like the khakis. They like his antics. Other people can't despise him. Like Tom Crean, he's flailing. His hair's going all over the place on the sideline. Jim Harbaugh slamming his headsets down. They're both very animated. Passionate guys on the sideline. And even though Harbaugh's had more success, I guess Crean got a Final Four. And Early, yeah, with Marquette. Yeah, and Harbaugh went to a Super Bowl. So Here's my thought. I think with this, we could also do this comparison. I think there's a lot of similarities between Michigan, bas- or Michigan football and Indiana basketball. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Let's hear so, this out. So, like – Michigan has all these wins, all this history, but they've won one national championship since World War II. Is that all? Is that it? Ninety-seven, and it was a co-national championship. <laughs> and people that watch the sport that year say, like Nebraska, they think Nebraska would have beat them. It was Eric Crouch, right? No, that was before Crouch. I think it was. No, it was Eric Crouch. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it would have been close. Right, right, well, right. Whatever. Back when we had co-national championships. So they, they. So really, Michigan through their history, both Shim Blacker, Shim Beckler was the one coach who could really get after Ohio State's ass, mm-hmm. and he won a bunch for them. And really, Indiana's had one coach, Bob Knight. Yep. And then you look at the last whatever twenty years, they've had some really mixed results. They've run coaches in and out. They they can't find the right mix. The only thing, the only reason I didn't like this comparison is because Harbaugh's finishing in the top fifteen, top twenty with Michigan. So. That would be like being like a five or six seed every year in the NCAA tournament. Well, where Crean was – he had a, some more highs, I think, because he won a Big Ten title. Yeah. 
but he, got, he, he only got two Sweet Sixteens though. But but he also had losing seasons and missing the tournament and stuff like that. Where Harbaugh came in right away after Michigan was losing, had put all oh, some well, losing records and fixed it quick. But he hasn't been able to get through, well, get past I mean, that ceiling. They're both really good at losing to rivals too. That's true. That's too. one thing they have in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indiana. We all know very well that Purdue, even though they don't have more Final Fours or championships, Purdue just waxes that ass on a consistent basis. I yeah, did it twice this year. I don't. Th- I think if you were a senior that just finished the school year at Purdue, I don't think you ever saw them lose to Indiana in basketball. Damn, that's <laughs> wild. And they play twice a year. This isn't just Kentucky owned mm-hmm. Louisville. This is pure domination. So mm-hmm. I, I, I like. Well, that's as close as we can get, and I think that's a pretty solid um, comparison to go with. Um, Kermit Davis, Ole Miss. I had Jim McElwain. Oh, see, I think there's a lot of Gary Patterson in him, and it's nothing to do with football. They just field. look like. Okay, so here, <laughs> here's the thing: Kermit Davis, he is the older brother that like started on this diet that the younger brother doesn't like refuses to get on, but keeps kind of like showing off like his new diet, and it doesn't look great on him. Like, oh, you're glad for him that he's healthy, but it's kind of a weird look because it's just. You know, when you lose a lot of weight later in age, it's just kind of a weird look. But he's still shaming Gary at every uh, family dinner on Thanksgiving, yeah. like, "Oh, so you're gonna use that? You're gonna use that gravy?" And then Gary gets all they red face. He's like, like, "You son of a bitch!" It's it's stunning. Just pull up pictures of them next they to each other, like. and it's you'll you'll be surprised. I picked McElwain just because, like, Kermit had this hot career starting off as McElwain did when he got to Florida. They got ran out of town, but it was for different reasons. Where Kermit, like they had, he was at A and M like twenty years ago. I didn't know that. But he got a show cause for something. He had like a NCAA show cause for like four years. Really? So he goes to Middle Tennessee and he carves out a nice niche where they're winning a lot. He builds kind of like a nice mid major power, and I think we're gonna see McElwain do that at Central Michigan if he stays there. Like really be a good mid major coach, but at the top level, I don't know. Every, if he's everybody really has their ceiling, yeah. right? And McElwain. Right. I mean, hell, in one year at Central Michigan, he had him moving and grooving. And I think he was at Colorado State before. before yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So like, yeah, he, they won the they won their division last year. He's been he's been good at that mid major level. So uh, maybe we'll see with uh, how. I mean, they should have been better this year with Brian Tyree. So um, I, I like that comparison right there. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I was stretching um, for this one, but. For Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, I couldn't really find one either. So I don't like my answer. My, my thought, and they're not similar in personality, but I think they're similar in that the ADs were trying to make an out-of-the-box hire and get somebody from the pros, and that's Herm Edwards. Just because mm-hmm. Arizona State was like, we're going to go to the pro I'd, model. I had a similar answer. And have the, the GM. We're going to bring in Herm Edwards. Where Jerry Stackhouse probably, like, I, I think Jerry Stackhouse is a good coach. And, um, like just from the kind of stuff he was doing to get guys open, he had no players last year, and they were doing a good job hanging around. But he's also not like this Mr. Motivator like Edwards. He's a quieter guy. They would do those split screens, and mm-hmm. you would just like, is Jerry Stackhouse ever going to open his mouth and talk? And the answer was typically no. Mm-hmm. Mine was Carl Durrell, who just got hired at Colorado. In a NFL guy. Who? The Colorado's new head coach. What's his name? Carl Durrell. Okay. He's from the NFL, long story short. Gotcha. Came out of nowhere. Stackhouse came out of nowhere. Yeah. They're both kind of mild-mannered guys. So that that, But it took – that one I sat there and thought about a long time, and I couldn't really find one. Who you got up next? Okay. Uh, let's see here. Okay, Buzz Williams. 
Dana Hogerson. Just because they've had a lot of success, but they've kind of moved around yeah. a little too much. Like, you wouldn't think they would. Right. They're kind of eccentric. We saw Buzz Cam when Kentucky played down there. And there's a lot. You of, could do the same Holgerson yeah, Cam and probably yeah. see a lot of the same stuff. And they're also similar in that there's a very you either love them or hate them kind of thing mm-hmm. with each of them. Yeah. Um, I like that one. And they both uh, play kind of different styles too. Mm-hmm. Um, and their highs are really high, and their lows can be really low. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, both Williams, and they both have weird hair too. Neither are great recruiters, but they they usually get the team to play above their talent ceiling. They, they're never like a title contender, but mm-hmm. they're always plucky, like a plucky underdog. <laughs> plucky underdog. That's a great Another one. Um, Rick Barnes. Oh, yeah. you when you when So, Adam Luckett suggested this idea, and as soon as he mentioned like his example, I was like, okay, I can't even – there's no point in me okay. even investing. Rick Barnes, Kirk Ferentz. Yeah. Been coaching for forever, like 30-plus years. Mm-hmm. Ferentz has stayed one place, and Barnes has had a little bit more recruiting success. But when you look at like their overall career, they've had a lot of really good seasons, some teams that were potential title contenders but were never really there. And then when they had that team, they kind of fell flat on their face. Tennessee last year, mm-hmm. Iowa had a chance to go to the college football playoff, yep. lost, lost in the Big Ten Championship because they really just couldn't score points. So that was that was mine. I would just they're good. They're good every year. Like he wins every year. Like they're competitive all the time, no matter what their talent. And usually, when they have teams with lesser talent, is when they do their best coaching job. But when they have some more expectations, they fall right. a little short. And Iowa always gets somebody at home. It seems like whether it's Michigan, Ohio State, mm-hmm. Penn State, whoever. And we've seen recently with Kentucky, they just can't they. Every yeah. year Tennessee gets them. Can't win in Thompson Bowling. Or in, Hell, in this, this year, year was just like a – God, you're right. Dang it, I, I don't want to think about that part of it, though. Mm-hmm. And they're both just kind of the most boring. Like, yeah. They're very oh, blase. 64, 65 years old. Just very bland, very vanilla. Mm-hmm. They don't play like the sexiest style of ball. But you know what? You punt a win and you run inbounds plays that get two points. Right. And like you just got to be impressed by mm-hmm. it. You just have to. Yeah. Um. That's just the most appropriate one mm-hmm. yet, and I think we've reached our final two. Two. Did you have anyone for Frank Martin? Oh, um, I had was, a hard time coming up. There were some of these that I couldn't uh, really Frank because Frank Martin's weird in that mm-hmm. he's had two really good teams. He had that team at Kansas State uh-huh. that uh, lost to Xavier, in but the even that South Carolina team was only a seven seed. They just got hot. Yeah, they got hot, but they, he still has a Final Four, and he's this enforcer type, right? Which, Wins itself to college football. Yeah. But those guys typically don't stick around for a while. I couldn't really find – I picked Pat Narduzzi because he had he was like this hotshot coordinator at Michigan State, whereas Martin was this hotshot young head coach at Kansas State. Uh, they take kind of a tough job, both of them. And they, they're competitive every year, but they're not really over over uh, or, or – they're not really somebody you worry too much about if you're their competitor. Um, this is an early one, but I think it could be – Narduzzi fits better because he's got more of that hard ass in him. But That's Sam, why I say they're both kind of – you see the TV cameras pick 
them up on the sideline, and they're both kind of psycho. Yeah, that yeah. was really the which I think point I think Sam Pittman is going to be like that. Yeah, that could be a good one. And, yeah, and they're also like yeah. kind of media darlings. Like people yeah. love like Frank Martin goes viral once a year for some hard ass mm-hmm. thing that people just like this is this is the truth. Speak and the he truth, does Frank he does Martin. all kinds of. Radio interviews, TV interviews. Yeah, well, like with the C- the year they had that big run, once they got out of it, he mm-hmm. was doing all the CBS stuff, you know, like in the studio with Charles Barkley. Right. And you know, they're they're yucking it up with him. Yeah. So I think Sa- either Sam Pittman or Nardus. We don't have a, a, the sample size. Is, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Pittman could. That I could see that for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, the big ones. Bruce Pearl. John Calipari. You want to start with Pearl first? Let's start with Bruce Pearl, who I have two that I, I kind of wanted to throw off you and see what you thought. Because the thing about Bruce Pearl that makes him endearing to Kentucky fans is he's a real rah-rah, shish kind of guy. I mean, he gets fans doing things they otherwise normally wouldn't at certain places. And he also has a way of being endearing himself to the media. And he's bounced around a lot. And he's had success. He's been to a Final Four now. That was his big breakthrough last year. He finally was able to check that box off. And I think there are a lot of people that – won an SEC tournament, too, for the first time. And I think people really doubted that he could get past that. Now, I think that draws comparisons to two people, but these are both national championship winning head coaches. That's Ed Orgeron or Jimbo Fisher. I don't know which one I think is more like it. But I think a lot of them, they had many haters, but also many lovers, really good in the media, and who were told, all right, well, you know, there was a, especially with Coach O, there was a lot of gimmick, this guy's never going to be able to last. And, that, and, yeah. yet, and yet, Bruce Pearl is like the perfect guy to get Auburn fans fired up, just like Coach O is the perfect guys to get LSU fans fired up. Mm-hmm. Well, could, do you think those are good or not? I like those. I have a kind of a similar guy in that kind of tier of coaches, I think. Mm-hmm. I think Orgeron winning that championship for right now passed him in that tier. Yeah. But this guy came from a small school, started out as a small school head coach like Pearl did, mm-hmm. worked his way up the ladder, eventually landing a big job. He has been in the trouble with the NCAA, has had victory stripped. Rick Pitino? He's a coach that I think – any blue blood that's a religious national championship contender say, yeah, he's a good coach, but I don't, I wouldn't want him at my school. He wins eight to 11 games every year, but his team really can't. They're not on that level yet where they can really punch that's through. That's true, yeah. And it's Brian Kelly. They're both – they both have rosy red cheeks yelling at officials. Oh, yeah. They – now, Pearl's obviously a little more – Behind, behind the mic savvy, a little more yeah, outgoing. Yeah, yeah, Brian Kelly's so kind of a jerk. That doesn't fit there. Mm. But Man, this is tough. Because you're, you're right, in, in in the sort of how you think of them as a coach, you you think they're good but not great. Right. Like, Cause we're like the, a Flor- when Florida was open, and say Dan Mullen goes somewhere else. Like if you ask Florida people after they needed a coach after McElwain left, if you were like, all right, Brian Kelly's taking the job, yeah, you would have been like – yeah, that'll be – yeah, but we could do better. I think on the flip side, we're – I mean, that's it's part of it's because Pearl's at Auburn, and Auburn fans would never want him to leave because it's freaking Auburn basketball. Mm-hmm. But, like, my brother also a Notre Dame fan, and he's already, like, 
you know, getting a little restless. Uh-huh. You know, there, there's an itch there that, like, if Kelly isn't scratching it sometime soon, right. then he's going to be out. And Kelly, he's won – like, he won Division two National Championships at Grand Valley State, won a MAC title at Central Michigan, took Cincinnati to back-to-back BCS Bowls, and then he's been at Notre Dame, and he's gone to a National Championship, and he's gone to a college football playoff. He's had some roller coaster moments, but you look at the last three years, he's won 10 games, 12 games, 11 games. So, like, he's not, like, he's good. Like, he's not – but he's not in that upper tier. The, the and that's problem, where I would consider Pearl. What, what makes this difficult, too, is that college football coaches are ten times worse at being hype machines and P.T. Barnums and Yeah, well, yeah, they don't, they don't really have to do it. Exactly. Right. They're the opposite where instead of promoting their sport, mm-hmm. they're not trying to say anything. So, like – we're in college basketball. The stars are the coaches who have been at one place for 20 years mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, have a way of spending stuff in the media. So that's why it's hard getting these two. I like going with Brian Kelly just from a pedigree standpoint, even though Pearl is obviously much more personable. Now, the ultimate one, John Calipari. If he were a college football coach, a lot of people, especially people that call into the Paul Feinbaum show, they like to compare Kentucky basketball and Alabama mm-hmm. football. But when I watch a Nick Saban press conference, the only thing that Nick Saban and John Calipari have in common is that there's a Coca-Cola bottle on their podium. Right, right. Aside, Cal's over there trying to like make jokes and make the media laugh, and Nick Saban's over there like ready to fight him. And from when it comes to stuff they've done on the field – as much as we'd love to think that Kentucky's had as much success in basketball as Alabama has in football, that's not the case. It's just not. And in the way that Saban runs things, he is a micromanager that does things a certain way. It's a system. Whereas Cal, he's players first, and he molds his guys to a certain way, which makes him more like Nick Saban's counterpart. Dabo. Dabo. I agree, man. And I agree 100%. As, and as much as we... And here's the thing, too, with Dabo. Dabo is very similar in Cal in that you really hate him or you really love him. And, and how they talk, how they send messages through the media and how they talk to the media, it's eerily similar. Oh, man. It's the eerily kind of, similar. The kind of, like, snark that they'll use, right. too, where they'll make, like, they'll say something and be like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a you smart? Mm-hmm. Like, Dabo and Cal were both kind of self-made in a, in a certain way. Because Cal went out and he didn't really work for, you know, he worked at Kansas for a little bit and then branched out, took took a, a the UMass job. He got he, he, he got very lucky. young. He got lucky with the the five star coaching camp that he made good right, connections right. and people thought highly well, of him. But Dab- he, he really got that on almost. Dabo nothing. had that similar because he worked he went to school at Alabama, so he had all those Alabama coaching connections and he either got out and they called and said you need to get back here to Alabama and be an assistant. He goes to Clemson. Things go haywire there. He gets the job. Job just kind of falls in his lap. Which, and he just turned similar to what Cal did. And it, it's similar to what kind of Cal did at Memphis and UMass together, where it was nothing, and he turned them into a legit national title contender. And that's what Dabo did there. Well, but, and, and the thing with Dabo at Clemson too, that uh, we were having a conversation before a spring practice session with some of the media folks who were around. It was like, because because I believe Dabo. Between the time that Kentucky beat him in the Music City Bowl in 07 and then lost to them in 09, or 06 and 09, excuse me, there was a time when Kentucky got, like, in between where Dabo got the job from Bowden. And mm-hmm. you were like, 
Who's this? They they hired their receivers coach to be their head coach. Right. What the hell are they thinking? And in the decade since, they've turned into a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at some of the results, it's eerily similar. Like Dabo's two and two in title games. Cal's one and two, and then I think you can throw the fifteen team in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, that was that was a title game. And then like all these all these 10, 11 win seasons in a row, and now you've got, since 15, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, it's 14 win seasons. So they're a national title contender every year. Yeah. I think Kentucky and basketball is a national title contender every year. And here's where they're really similar to mm-hmm. is the way they recruit. Right. Like, the years when you're like – Well, the culture the culture they've been – like, everybody wants to go to Clemson because it's the greatest culture. And I think in a, a way, Cal's built this Kentucky, like – La Familia, this Kentucky Brotherhood. Effect, right. Yeah. Where it's just like, this is the cool place to be. This isn't for everybody. Right, right. This isn't for everybody, but if it's for you, there's no better place to be. And? And they, <laughs> they people have copied off Cal's model, and now you see people copying off Dabo's model about how it's family, it's the culture. It's like the cult, culture is a word in college football we talk about a lot, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Oh, like it was Clint. It's that, that, what they people really mean by the culture is. Build what Clemson has. Build. We need Clemson's culture. The way that I think it was this year, mm-hmm. Clemson had five or six guys that were number one at their position right. that committed to Clemson. It's like the fourteen class, class that the number had, one player at every spot. Yeah, I mean, the only difference is that for Kentucky. We like our guy. My buddy. My buddy's a barber. He always jokes. He's like, dude, us Kentuckians. We love our fast-talking Italian coaches that wear the really oh, yeah. nice suits. We oh, yeah. love it. Between Patrino, Calipari, like that's just that's what we think. Patrino, Balvano. Patrino. People love Patrino for a long. I mean, we people we can talk about these last few years, but Louisville fans that first stint they love that sob more than <laughs> yeah. anything in the world. And down at Clemson, Dabo is just the most perfect. He is perfect for that fan that wears their vest on a cool October morning, and then after they have a day of drinking cold beers, they go to church on Sunday and mm-hmm. wear their that same Clemson pullover. Right, they talk they, little he, Clemson, and they got that accent. It just plays it up perfectly. Quit. I mean, Dabo lived with his mama right until you know through college. He lived with his mama. He's a good old boy. Mm-hmm. You know, like they are perfect for that program. And then you look at assistant coaches. Like Kenny Payne isn't he's not leaving. No. Like he's he's fine, he's fat and happy here at Kentucky. And he's not gonna take a lesser job. Oh, just like Brent Venables, he ain't going nowhere. Venables, yeah, Venables They both got their Justin. kids on the damn team. Right. 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 <laughs> I mean, it is eerily, eerily similar. And I think good job, I'd high five you, but you know, social distancing. We got about four feet in between us. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's not six, but it's good enough. And I have I whiffed to mention one before we get out of here. I stole this from Mark Ennis, but Archie Miller will must champ. <laughs> we can get out we can get out on that one. Oh man i hope y'all enjoyed this i hope this has been a pleasant distraction for the last hour and 10 minutes when we come back for another edition of 11 personnel next week we're going to be talking about our favorite games as kentucky football fans and we're going to discuss in depth and how kentucky transformed from an air raid team that changed college football 20 years ago to a team that only ran the damn football. And who knows? Maybe that could have a lasting effect. Who knows? We will find out more down the road. Until then, thank you all so much for listening. DrinkSword.com, Sword Performance, thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast. Stay safe, Big Blue Nation. 
Go Cats and safely go Kroger.